All right, open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Was anyone else who took a shower last night terrified to set off? I'm just thinking, I don't want to be the first one in 20-something years that makes everybody gather onto the volleyball court. And I tried to crack my door, but my door kept opening, and I'm thinking, I just don't want to set it off. I did it. Praise God. Because I take very hot showers. Matthew chapter 11. And also, open up into your note pages. And in session two, it says, come for protection. And see, sometimes, um, sometimes I'm asked for my titles before I study. And sometimes when I then later look at my titles, I think, where was I going with that? That's not really what I wanted to say. So we're kind of going to talk a little bit about protection today, but I just want you to add like a, where it says come for protection, uh, and rest and rest. So come for protection and rest. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, we come to you. And God, we, again this morning, we just lift our hands to you and we want all that you have for us. God, we want to come to you so that you can give to us whatever it is that you are longing to give to us today. Jesus, would you protect maybe our families who, at home, who are at home? Would you be our protection? Would you be our rest? Would you be our sufficiency Lord, would we be yoked to you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, maybe I should be talking about protection because I talked to my husband, and he's on his way to teach at that men's retreat, and he's got the kids with him, and I said, okay, so what did you tell the kids to do while you're teaching? And he said, I just told him not to go past the guard tower. Um <laughs> Okay, you want to like maybe just have them sit in the coffee shop? That's what I usually do when I take them. They can just sit in the coffee shop and read. And no, just as long as they don't go past the guard tower, they're fine. Do you want to tell them to stay together? <laughs> He's like, no, they'll be good. I'm like, okay. He's like, what are you teaching on today? Protection? <laughs> Jesus is our protector. And he's like, so you see, we've got no problem. I'm like, okay. But I'm not really teaching on protection. I'm teaching on rest. And he's like, well, that's better. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I love this idea of that we can take his yoke upon us because isn't that kind of what a yoke does? It yokes you together so that you stay in a certain area. I don't know if maybe you were one of those moms who had a leash for your child. 
And, and you know, you saw them and they kind of made them try to look cute like they were monkeys. And I remember hearing a story of my mother-in-law and her best friend had, had her child, you know, leashed, yoked, whatever, monkey collared to her. And, and they were walking down the street and she was one of those like, you know, I'm not going to discipline my children. I'm just going to reason with them and ration with them. And so I think if I remember the story, my mother-in-law was walking with my husband who was maybe four or five at the time and her best friend had her three-year-old and she was leashed to her and, and the three-year-old wrapped herself around this man who was walking down the street. <laughs> and, and my mother-in-law's best friend sat down and said, now Courtney... We don't wrap ourselves around. And this, she's trying to reason with her and ration with her. And the man says, I don't care what you tell her. Just get her off of me. <laughs> and we think of that yoke. It's like God's leash to us. Like, come here. Stay here. Stay in this lane. Stay over here. And if we read this whole chapter in Matthew chapter 11, we would see Jesus dealing with accusation. We would see him dealing with his reputation in question. We would see him dealing with the busyness of ministry and life in general. We would see him dealing with sorrow. His cousin was in prison, facing an imminent death sentence. We would see Jesus dealing with the rejection of those he was sent to help and to love and to pour into We would see Jesus dealing with a pending judgment of his own. And that's just one chapter. And in the end of this chapter, he says, are you weary? And maybe he's thinking, because I am. And if you're weary, oh, you can come to me. You can find that rest. You can find that place. You can find that protection that you so desperately seek. Because aren't we all exhausted? Who do you talk to anymore who says, oh, I'm not tired at all? I haven't met somebody who's not tired since I lived in Texas and was sitting with the cute little old ladies who are 90 and just rock on their porch all day. I don't know anybody like that out here in California. Maybe you're facing one of the situations that Jesus was dealing with in this chapter because we live in a weary world, don't we? Don't you know people who are worn out and weary? Aren't you one of those people who are worn out and weary? Jesus wants to give us rest. He says, come to me so that you can have rest. He wants to give us rest. You know, it's been said, and I'm sure you girls have heard it. You never see Jesus in a hurry. You never see Jesus flustered. I loved what Lindsay was talking about last night, where Jesus stood still for the woman in the crowd. And I've always noticed that with the blind man who's crying out to Jesus. And it says that Jesus stood still. And I remember reading that a few days or a few years ago and just thinking, or maybe God asked me, what makes you stand still? 
And the beautiful thing about his yoke is that he kind of keeps you in this narrow lane of doing what you are supposed to be doing. Because we as women, above all, we have the tendency of doing what needs to be done not doing what we are supposed to be doing. And his yoke keeps us near him so that we find the rest and the protection of our calling that he has for us. He says, come to me so that you can have rest. And when I was reading this passage, I kept thinking about a cool shade with iced coffee. Maybe that's just because it's summer in the desert, but I just kept thinking about shade. And you know, I have to say, I love living in the desert. I really do. I thought it was going to be one of those things where I love the church, love the people, and couldn't stand to live there and just would, you know, go back to Oceanside every every week or so. I love it. I absolutely love it. And honestly, most of the time, I love going outside because the buildings are freezing. Everywhere you go, it's so cold with that air conditioner. And so my kids and I, we run outside to get warm. We're like, oh, it feels so good out here. Oh, it feels so good. But I remember this one time last year in April or May, my daughter had a walk-a-thon for school. And this whole school thing is new to us because I homeschooled all my kids up until last year. And then my daughter went to home, to high school and I homeschooled my two youngers. And then this time my daughter went to high school and my son went to eighth grade. He just maybe needs like a running start before he gets into high school. And so he went to eighth grade and they just started on Thursday. And now I'm homeschooling my youngest by herself and she is so excited. She's like, we shouldn't even call this homeschool. We should call it Starbucks school and just go get coffee every day. (laughs) My mom says of all my kids, she's the most like me. I agree. But my daughter had this walkathon for school. And you know, I, I know that usually school moms, like they're, they're raised in these walkathons and fundraisers forever. I just didn't even know what to do with this thing. I'm like, can't you just stay home in your jammies? Like, this is ridiculous. This is too busy. And so we went to this walkathon and it was in April or May. And I thought, oh, it's going to be warm, but it's not going to be too terribly bad. Well, the last part of the walk was this area like the color run, you know, where you walk through this final area and this colored chalk gets blasted at you. And maybe you've done a color run. I have not done a color run. I will never do a color run. <laughs> I like that thing on Pinterest that says, if you see me running, you should run too because something's chasing me. <laughs> I don't exercise. I don't do that. I know like that's so politically incorrect to say in this day and age of really fit people. I just like ice cream and every once in a while I'll be like, ooh, I got to do some squats or something. And ooh, that was exhausting and I'm done. (laughs) So I was standing there waiting and waiting and waiting. And remember, this is the daughter I told you about last night who is as slow as molasses. You put her in a group of friends and it gets even slower. So I'm waiting outside in this last and final area where they're supposed to come in is like this dirt area. There's chalk everywhere. It's so hot. There was chalk in my nose. It was just so hot. And so I decided she's not coming for a long time. I'm just going to move over into the shady area. And as soon as I moved into the shady area, like it dropped 15 degrees. There was grass under my feet. I could hear angels singing. It was like, of this shade. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever felt where you're hot, you're weary, you're exhausted, and suddenly like a breeze blows, or you move to San Diego, or (laughs) 
there's something, but just that idea of the relief of moving from the scorching sun to that cool relief of shade and grass. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. That psalm just makes me want to sigh in relief. When I read it some morning, I just think, oh, Oh, good. God is God. Oh, good. He's my shade. His presence is that shade that our soul longs for, that protection, that rest that we seek after. Or maybe you've had a time of being so tired, just so tired. And then there's that moment that you finally get to close your eyes, be it on a pillow or in prayer. I remember one night being so tired. It was 22 years ago is when I graduated. And somebody last night said, I thought you were 12. And he said, I know. That's why I say my age right up front, because people are thinking. I remember getting ready for a retreat one time, and I walked out for prayer with the leadership team. And and the lady said to me afterward, oh, you're the speaker. I was thinking, who is this high school kid who's praying with us? And I was like... (laughs) Well, would that be so bad if a high school kid was praying with you? I don't know. But I remember this one night, a grad night, where you go to Disneyland, you stay up all night, all of that junk. Then we went to IHOP and breakfast, and then my friends came over, and then that night we went to Bible study. And normally I wouldn't just skip Bible study, but there was this really cute guy, and I was graduating, and I was like, we're going to get married like next week. We did it. Praise God. I know him now. Ooh. <laughs> but I remember sitting in that Bible study... And it was Sunday night at Calvary Vista, and it was a guest speaker that night. And he taught five chapters. And I remember, you know, having done grad night to IHOP, to friends over, to church, never going to sleep for I don't know how many hours that was at that point, because I don't do math either. And, um, And he taught five chapters. And after every chapter, you're thinking, Oh, good, he's done. And then he says, and then in chapter, and you're like, oh, no. And I remember sitting there trying so hard to keep my eyes open, thinking, just say amen. (laughs) Just say amen. I just wanted to close my eyes. And maybe you feel like that right now after your ice cream social last night. And you close your eyes for a second, and it feels so good. God knows that you and I get weary. He knows that we get hot and worn out. He knows that we get weary and exhausted from this life. And I love that he cried out from the cross. It is finished. It's been said that he didn't cry. Almost. He cried. It is finished. It's done. And you and I can come to him and find complete rest complete protection, complete satisfaction. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. 
And when you and I, in our English, we think of that word cast, most often we think of like a fishing rod, right? I don't fish, but, but that fishing line, you're casting it in and you're going to reel it back. Well, in the Greek vernacular, what they think of when they hear this word cast is pushing a cart up a hill. That's what they use to say cast. And you think about pushing a cart up a hill and it's going to roll back down on you. And then you cast it up again and it's rolling back down and you're walking uphill and you're casting it up. And that's what Jesus means when he tells you and I to cast our care upon him for he cares for us. Now, so many times we think, well, I tried that and it just didn't work. Right. That's the point to keep casting because then before you know it, he's so sneaky. He hides exercise in there and you're bench pressing bench pressing your emotions, bench pressing your fear, bench pressing your worry by casting your care constantly upon the Lord. He says, keep casting, keep coming, keep seeking that shade. Just like when the sun moves, you follow the shade. He cares for us. He leads us in such a caring way. This is the God whose presence was a cloud by day for the Israelites. Isn't that beautiful? I used to just picture this, you know, pillar of cloud. It was like straight up, not so anymore. Living in the desert, because see, here's the deal, is I used to think that where most of you live, Marietta, Temecula, that was a hot place. I was like, whew, I'm getting ready to go do a retreat in Marietta. That's a hot place. Here we go. Not so anymore. Now I'm like, it's so breezy here. So nice and cool. When Sally called and asked if I would do this retreat, I was like, yes. I mean, I'll pray. I'll pray about getting away from the desert in August. I'll pray about going to the mountains. Yes. God says yes. But thinking about God having his presence as a cloud for his precious people moving through that wilderness, God created an environment where his people would want to be in his presence because he wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to be near to him because he has so much for us. His presence of the cloud was the most comfortable place to be as those Jewish people were moving through the wilderness. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are your pleasures forevermore. He says, Come into my presence because he wants to fill us with comfort and joy that we can't find anywhere else. When we go to school football games, I always load up with candy, New York seltzers, chips, any of the really good food that my kids aren't always allowed to have at home. Well, I say allowed to have. They're teenagers. I have no control. But the food that I don't generally buy that they have to go look for somewhere else. And so I buy it all before these football games so that my kids will come to me 
so that they can get food. And they want to take the whole bag. And I'm like, oh no, the bags have to stay here. Partly because I want them to, and I know that they'll just disappear if my kids take them, but partly because I want my kids to keep coming back. They get a handful at a time. And I know that if they have the bag, I won't see them until the football game is over. And they're just so cute. I want to see them all the time. And so they get a handful and they're like, you know, trying to take as much as possible, but you can still only get so much. Even though my son's hands are like huge. I'm like, oh, I've got to, I've got to say like, you can have a fingerful now. <laughs> but I keep it with me because I want them to keep coming back to me. And I was thinking about that old saying, stand under the spout where the blessings come out. And our God is filled with blessings. And his presence is fullness of joy. Everything that we could seek after, everything that we could search for is found in the shade and the rest of his presence and his yoke. I love that great old book, Practicing the Presence of God. If you haven't read it, you have to find it and get it. But maybe you and I need to practice coming to God because he's always right there. And maybe you and I need to practice remembering that he's right there. Practice coming. When something happens to you, we need to train ourselves. When we start to worry, when we start to freak out to say, no, this is the moment where I come to Jesus for rest and protection. We need to train our emotions, train our responses, train ourselves to come into his presence. Proverbs 18.10 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So have we trained ourselves to run into his presence? Is that our first response? Is that what we know to do? I was telling you last night about my my six-year-old niece, my sweet little London. And the first night that she was at our house when she was staying with us, she was staying in a room with my younger my youngest daughter. And everybody was asleep. It was quiet. I was studying for a Bible study. I totally didn't realize how long I had been studying. Never checked on them to see if they were actually asleep. And so I went back into her room. Everybody was asleep except for her. And she was laying in bed crying because she missed her mommy and she missed her home. And I said, oh, honey, you can come into my room and get me anytime. And she says, I just didn't know that. And sometimes don't we find ourselves in that position where we're crying and then we have that gentle reminder of God, I'm here. You can call on me. My name is a safe tower for you to run into. I love that old hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You and I don't have to worry about anything. 
You and I don't have to fret about anything. You and I have all the rest and the protection that we could desire. He designed us to be near to him. He designed us to be yoked right beside him. And who do you keep right beside you in a group? You keep the troublemakers, right? He's like you. You need to stay right here. He designed us to come into his presence so that he could see us at all times. You know, maybe you've seen it or done it to your kids, just that whole I'm watching you thing. He does it too. Psalm 91, he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. He has created the secret place for you and I to dwell for you and I to be yoked together with him, to be near him, to be in that safe place of his presence. He is that place of safety. He is that place of protection. He is that place of coolness from the heat. He is that place of shelter from the rain, that place of peace from fear, that place of strength from weakness. In Isaiah 40, he calls us to come into that place where we can run and not grow weary, where we can walk and not faint, that place where we can hold his hand, that place where he tells us that he gently leads those who are with young, that place where we can sit in his shade, where we can eat at his table, where we can take refuge in his presence. And you and I, we don't need to get ourselves unburdened before we come into his presence. He says, if you are burdened, you come into my presence. You come to me. Not you try to get your yoke off that you've already had on and you get yourself all unburdened and then you come to me. But if you are burdened, if you are weighed down, if you are worn out, weary, and in desperation, come to me. Coming into his presence automatically lifts any burden from us. It's like that phrase, oh, it was like a weight off of my shoulders. That's what coming into his presence does. It takes the weight off of our shoulders. It takes the yoke of this world that we have had on that is heavy, that's hurting our neck, that's too much for us to carry, and it puts his instead. Remember what he said to Mary, or to Martha actually, when Mary was sitting at his feet and Martha was so upset, and he said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. One thing you lack, one thing you need. And I think that Jesus would probably say that to the majority of us in this room today. You are worried and troubled about many things. You have many burdens. And it's hard, isn't it? You talk to women. I can't believe the situations that people are facing. I can't believe the situations that they're talking about. And I had a counseling appointment Wednesday night before church and I had never dealt with anything like this before. And, you know, the whole time she's talking, I'm thinking, 
Oh, Jesus, she's winding down. Please give me something to say. I have no idea what to say. I just couldn't even believe how tremendous her situation was. We're living in an awful world. And these burdens upon us, we don't know what to do. You know what he says to do? Come into his presence. Come to him. Come and find him. He says, sit with me. It'll solve everything and give you that peace that you're seeking. Just sit in my presence. And you have all afternoon today during free time. I know everyone around you is so fun. But again, just a little bit of time in his presence. I know that they're going to have you go off and go by yourself, but just wander around with Jesus. Like the famous bumper sticker says that I don't quite know what it means. Not all who wander are lost. (laughs) I don't know what that means to the world. I'm sorry if it means something bad. But to me, it's like, yes, I wander with Jesus and I am not lost. Go on a date with him. Get quiet with him. Grab some coffee and go to a quiet place. And you know what? I guarantee it'll be the part of the retreat that you remember. We need that time in his presence daily. We need to practice coming and running into his presence all day. Remember what David prayed in Psalms, evening, morning, at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he will hear my voice. Does that amaze you that he hears your voice? Now, I called my husband the other day because I'm trying to think why. Why would I call him when he was so near to me? Maybe, oh, I know what it was. We were looking for his phone and we couldn't find his phone. And he said, can you call my phone? And so I called it and it was the ring. And I said, do you have that ring for everyone? (laughs) No. No, he doesn't. He just has that ring for me. And I said, please tell me what what, 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 what means to you when I call. The pastor was left speechless. (laughs) Isn't it beautiful to know that that is not what it's like when you and I call Jesus? (laughs) I hope. (laughs) I hope in heaven there's not some kind of prayer switchboard where it's like, wah, 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 wah. Oh, she's calling again. No, he says it's like incense. I'm holding to that. (laughs) He will hear our voice. We can run into his presence and obtain grace for our time of need. But have we trained ourselves to run into his presence? Aren't we so prone to run into that phone, to run into that text, to run to social media, to run to our friends, to run to our families? He says, you need grace for time of need. You run to me. 
You run to me. I just finished reading a book. Um, it's With Christ in the School of Prayer by Andrew Murray. Highly recommend that book. It's such a great, easy, deep, crazy read. And he says in there, he, have we come? Or no. He says, many times we wonder why our prayer isn't answered. We are still burdened. We are still weary. Have we come to him desiring nothing but his presence and anything he desires to give or take? And the whole chapter was about how so often we come into his presence with our agenda. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. You need to do this. And he says, would we just come into his presence and say, here, I don't know what to do with this. I just need your presence. Are we yielded to him? Are we desiring his plan? When we're yoked together with him, it was intended to be easy. It was intended to be light. But you know what? Sometimes we can still pull against that yoke. And we make our lives very difficult when we do that, don't we? We don't want to be the Jacobs, the wrestlers with God. When my oldest daughter, Haley, was about 18 months old, she would have tantrums by just throwing herself back. Did you have any of those? They would just throw themselves back. Now, my youngest, she was very organized. She's still very organized. She's like me. And you could tell when she was upset because something would make her upset. And if we were at home, she would go... (laughs) And she would walk to the couch, get a pillow... (laughs) get it? Clear everything out where she was, put the pillow down, and then throw herself back and start screaming (laughs) onto the pillow. She's crazy. But Haley, my oldest, she didn't care. Just down she went. She wanted you to know. And I remember this one day she was mad because I wouldn't let her touch the dishwasher buttons. And we were in the kitchen. And I had her hand because I was telling her no. And she just went down over the tile. And I was so terrified she was going to crack her head. And so I pulled up on her arm without thinking. And pop, it just popped out of socket. I know, terrifying. And you think about that. She was in my presence holding my hand. But there was no trust. No rest because she was screaming and wrestling against my plan for her to not touch the dishwasher buttons. And so what did I do? I took her arm and pulled it out. No, I didn't do that. I was just holding her hand and she pulled it out. She wrestled against me and hurt herself. And isn't that often the case with you and me? We wrestle, we fight against God's plan, and then we kind of get the consequences and we're thinking, God, did you do this to me? Why would God let something like this happen? No, it's because you wrestled against him and popped your arm out of socket. Jesus says, would you just rest in me? Would you just trust in my protection? Would you remember like last night that my way is perfect and my word is proven? He says, come into my shade. Come into my rest. Come to me. Learn of me. Take my yoke. Not a yoke that you made for yourself. Not a yoke that you think you have to wear. Not a yoke of everything that everybody tells you that you think you have to hold and you don't know what to do. But take all those burdens that the people pile on you and bring them into the presence of Jesus for his rest, for his protection. He says, you will find rest. Not you might, 
not sometimes, not possibly. If you run into the presence of Jesus, you will find that rest and protection that you seek. And he has such good things for us, way better than chocolate and chips and New York seltzers, if you can believe that. It's like the heavenly version of that. He has so many beautiful blessings for us in his presence. If you're lonely, you can come. If you're weary, come. If you're hot, come. If you've been accused, come. If you've been abandoned, come. If you're restless, come. If you're tired, come. If your heart is broken, come. If you're confused, come. If you're lost, come. If you just can't do it one more day, come. If you're bitter, come. If you're facing what you just don't think you can get through, come. If you don't know how to handle it, come. Be yoked to him and learn of him and you will find rest. Right before the verses in Matthew eleven twenty eight that we just read, where it said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says something so beautiful. If you pop up to verse 27, he says, all things have been delivered to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son, and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. He says, no one knows us, except those who I choose to reveal us to. And some hold that and say, oh, see, not everybody can know Jesus, only the ones that he wants to know him. But then if you take the verse in conjunction that we talked about last night, Jeremiah 33, thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. And he says, call to me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So when you tie those verses together, basically he's saying no one knows us except anyone who wants to. Anyone who wants to know who I am, you can know who I am. Come to me and I will reveal myself to you. Don't we want to be those ones who draw near to him with all that we are? Don't we, be, don't we want to be one of those who draw near so that he can draw near to us, who can come to him for shade, who can come to him for rest, who come to him for that yoking, that staying where we're supposed to be because he has so much joy, so much peace, and so much rest in his presence. There's two stories that I want to tell you really quick. I have some friends, and they don't live in the state. And maybe, I'm trying to think how long ago it's been, maybe about 10 years ago, they were a couple from our church in Texas. And they knew that they were called to go on the mission field. And God had made that so clear to them. But their kids were maybe, I'm going to say, like 15, 13, and... 11, like actually probably my kid's age, 15, 13, 11, somewhere around there. And they knew that they were called to go on the mission field, but the wife just didn't want to uproot her children. She just didn't want to to move them away from all that they had known. 
They had only lived in one house. They had only lived in one place. They had only gone to one church. And the wife didn't just want to uproot them. And so she said, no, not yet. And um, the husband ended up going because he knew he was called to go. And right or wrong, that's, that's what he did. And he went for a few months and then would come home and then go for a few months. And the wife just wouldn't do it. And she knew she was supposed to, to go. And we talked about that. And it's so heartbreaking because you look at their family now. They're both divorced. She's remarried. Her kids that, that she stayed for, one of them ended up in prison. One of them ended up just moving away, getting married to somebody that they didn't necessarily want her to marry, isn't always walking steady with Jesus. And, and I just always look at that story. And I remember even talking to the daughter one day. And she said, I just think that if my mom had moved us to the other country when I was that age, that maybe we would have all been together still. That maybe we would have all been walking with Jesus still. And you just look at Jesus and, and maybe he was trying to take this family who he saw what was coming down the track, down the pipe, and take this family and move them to a foreign country where they would be in his protection, where they would be in his rest, where they would be in the place that he called them to be. But they said, no, I know better. I'm not doing that. That would devastate my kids. I can't do that. All the practical, in a sense, good mommy reasons, right? You're watching out for your kids. But when we're not in that place of protection, when we're not in that place of rest, it's devastating. I remember reading a story about Rosalind Goforth, Jonathan Goforth's wife. And they were missionaries in China, and, and her husband had wanted to go minister to this part of China that was the slums. And, you know, back then they, they lived in, like, the missionary compounds, and, and he wanted to go minister in the slums where there wasn't much protection, and she had just had a baby, and she said, I'm not taking my baby there. You can go. I'm not taking my baby there. And that night the baby got sick. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. And the Lord ended up taking the baby. But she said in her book that it was the most gracious thing that God could have done. Because it showed her that being in the slums and the danger with God is far better than being in the place of perfection without his will. Without his hand of protection. And then you contrast that with, I read Esther this morning. And you know, where, where Haman decrees to kill all the Jews and Mordecai comes and, and he says to Esther, um, you know, this, this is just crazy in my terms is what he says. And, and she says, well, I can't because the king hasn't called me and it's been 30 days and anyone who comes into his presence, unless he holds out the scepter, then you can get killed and it's against the law. And he says, oh, you can stay in the palace. And you might be protected. And deliverance will arise from another place. But what if you've come into the palace for such a time as this? And we know that. We know that line, right? For such a time as this. And so she calls them to fast. She calls them to pray. And then she walks into the king's presence. 
I'm sure the fear didn't leave. I'm sure she was just as terrified as she was before. But at that point, she knew she had the protection of God. And it was a risk that she was willing to take. You and I are called by God to come to come to his yoke, to his path, to his way. And it can seem scary. It can seem dangerous. But when you and I will stay yoked to him, it is the safest place that you and I can be. It is that place of protection. It is that place of rest. Psalm 36 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of pleasure. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. See, the enemy wants to tell us that we have no choice whether or not we trust, that we have this fear, and isn't it so often the fear that dictates our movements, the fear that dictates our choices, and that's what the enemy would like you to think that you have to do, but trust is something that is given to us, and we choose where we put it. We have a choice. Every situation that comes up, you hold your trust and you choose. Will you put your trust on the things that you know and see, on the things that you worry about, and those things are what becomes loudest to you? Or will you take your trust and put it in God? David says, I will trust in you. I choose to trust in you. Will we trust in God? Will we trust in his protection? Will we trust that his way is proven and perfect? Will we come to him and be yoked together with him? Lord, we ask, Lord, like maybe the verses that so many of us might know, Lord, will we trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways will we acknowledge you and you will direct our path. Lord, help us not to fight against your yoke and then blame you for the consequences. Jesus, we don't want our necks to be rubbed raw because we're trying to go one direction and you and your loving protection are trying to keep us on the straight and narrow path. God, would you help us to trust in you? Would you help us to just obey you scared if that's what we need to do? God, would you unburden us in your presence? Lord, we thank you for the gifts of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and those situations that maybe some come to us with that we don't quite know what to do and we're left holding all these burdens and it feels so heavy and it feels so weary and we don't know how to fix it and we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do. Oh, Jesus, you've told us what to do. We come into your presence. 
Lord, daily would we come into your presence to get unburdened, to take the yoke of this world, the yoke of of people off by the power of your grace and let you put yours on us. And Lord, like we know that that word easy, it means it fits well. You lead us in those paths that fit well. And I know that every one of us, being women, we've got some burden. A family member that's that's gone awry. A change that's up and coming. A marriage that struggles. A prodigal. A sibling that's walked away from the Lord. A, a parent or a grandparent that you're taking care of. A betrayal. Accusations. All of these things that Jesus was dealing with in Matthew 11. I just want you to hold your hands up before God and you know what this burden is Jesus you said you said that we could come to you when we were weary that we can come to you when we're burdened and Jesus we have no idea what to do what to say how to fix We don't even know how to not worry about this. (laughs) We don't even know how to stop thinking about this. But Lord, you said take every thought captive. You said bring it into surrender of you. So Jesus, we say, here. (laughs) You're the God who came to make all things new. And you want our burdens as a gift (laughs) because you bring beauty from ashes. You bring joy from sorrow. Lord, we want to run into your presence to obtain the grace that we need for this, this that we hold in our hands, this that we give you. And Jesus, we know that probably in 10 minutes, our arms are going to have to be up again, that we're casting our cares upon you because you care for us, that we are pushing a cart up a hill, that you are strengthening our spiritual muscles with your sneaky little exercise tactics of our souls. (laughs) Lord, like I read the other day in Psalms, would you say to my soul, I am your salvation. I am all you need. And then would I say to my soul, I will praise you. I love that. David's asking you what to say. He's telling himself what to say. He's just directing the whole conversation. Lord, help our fears not to dictate the conversation. Help our weariness not to dictate the conversation and our actions. But Lord, help us to run into your name for it's a strong tower. Help us to come into your presence for that rest and protection constantly. And it's in your name we pray.